Welcome back to the Amateur Theatre Podcast and episode 21. Today we're talking to Jordan Bechet, an actor that I worked with on Much Ado About Nothing, and he's taking up a role in my latest production of King Lear, so I'm really looking forward to working with him again. In our chat today, he very generously opens up about his process, how he brings characters to life, and what he takes himself through to get the characters that you see him present on stage. So we talk about how he's learned from other people, his use of music, his use of improv, his use of physicality, how he dissects the text, and generally what it takes for him to be happy that he's got a character to where it needs to be before he goes out on stage and presents it to an audience. So hopefully a a great deal for any aspiring actor to take away from this conversation. And you'll notice I've edited it down slightly shorter than normal. I'm hoping to bring all of our all of my conversations in under the hour mark going forward. It's nothing to do with the, the information that Jordan put forward. There was plenty of it that I could have kept in that would have pushed us up to the hour and a half mark. But I'm conscious of people's desire to get short, sharp information these days. And as much as I love a, a rambling chat, I'm going to have to strike a balance between those two factors. Hopefully we get close to that balance in this conversation. So sit back and enjoy. As a, as a kid, I always, when people asked me what I wanted to be, I would either say I wanted to be a vet or an actor, which was a weird thing to say as a kid because I had no kind of acting experience at all. I just liked yeah. watching people on the telly and I thought it looked fun. was strange because the first time like the first time you walk into a room full of actors you don't know everyone in, in immediately feels cooler than you are you kind of think oh these people you know they know they know the, they know how words work they know they know all these games already they know they know all these things and you kind of I kind of felt I had to just like um it was very fake it till you make it just pretend I knew what was going on pretended yeah. that I've pretended that like that I that I understood everything, all these weird phrases. I pretended that I'd even heard of the drama schools half of them were talking about going to. And then kind of um and then eventually once you once I was comfortable enough, I was able to be like, you know, I have no idea. I don't yeah. You have to, you have to pretend you know and before you can admit that you don't know what you're doing. I think it was one yeah. of those scenarios. And did the was the setup geared toward you being able to get away with that? Or was it like it's that I mean, again, just from that very brief description, it sounds like there was a room full of people who were pursuing acting as a yeah. potential career and you sort of striving as a, <laughs> I don't know, I just fancy doing this. Yeah. It was either this or jumping out of planes. I yeah, just exactly. thought maybe acting was the option. Yeah. Just a, just a lost politics student, not quite sure why, yeah. why he was in the room. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. And, and, and especially because it's very, um, like I said, it was a lot of, a lot, like I'd say the median age was around 16, 17. And these are the, those were the kind of people who'd been, who'd been doing it for years, who'd done the school musical and then you know taking a year out to do a foundation year at whatever wanky club school there is and it was the kind although it sounds it sounds ridiculous to say at the grad because I was at the grand age of 20 it was very much um acting experience from them versus world experience because if you've been if they've been you know at sixth form and you know their whole life mum has been driving them to ballet lessons and taking them up and down the country to go and audition for like films when they were child actors or whatever compared to someone who was like never never thought about that and is now in his final year of uni thinking about 
the real world and yeah. it was it was it it was it was it made me feel more confident because i was a bit like oh okay they might know where where you can go to to become the greatest opera singer they might know what school you can become an opera singer at but i doubt any of them have ever made like a spaghetti carbonara by themselves um yeah. so i'm not quite sure what the point is but the point is i felt i felt i felt i felt i felt, I felt not superior but i felt like in a sense there were these um um kind of lost lost children in this drama class that were there doing it compared to this very confused adult i mean did it represent like because that weirdly i just as you were saying that jotted jot down um kind of acting theory versus experience did it represent already in those first few moments or weeks or whatever it was um an understanding that you had something else to draw on over and above them or did you were you realizing that that's yeah, I, I I agree with that. That 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 difference between lived experience and learned experience, which is why I'm kind of glad that I came to decide to start pursuing acting so late as a right. because you know I knew you know I look at like I look at 17 year olds today and they and I kind of think you know when I was 17 I I, I knew how nothing worked. I knew how to tie my shoes and that was about it. What was your kind of moment of realization that maybe that lived experience was going to be useful to you and set you up for you know for doing this versus shit these guys all know everything about yeah. Stanislavski or whatever and I know yeah. bugger all yeah it, it was it was definitely where that kind of old cliche when you're in a room you should always find the person that knows something you don't and ask them and it's and it's all well and good to sit again also coming you know 20, 20 years old again you don't really know that much when you're 20 20 years years old sitting in a room being like oh I'm the best I can you know look at all these all these children um and then there's that that maturing moment where you think well yeah they're, they're younger mm-hmm. than me but they they know they know more about certain things than I do if I'm struggling to understand the context of a scene or whatever they might have knowledge and things that i don't because they've been taught how to how to approach these things how to do that so there's this kind of you have to you have to prepare yourself in a in when you when you enter a space like that you have to prepare yourself no matter what to kind of open yourself up to people who you might previously have kind of not wanted to ask ask questions of mm-hmm. you know because you know so, you know some you know I used I used I used to work with children and it's some some adults they they're they're embarrassed to ask children questions to kind of you know ask them to explain things that they don't know about and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because if someone knows something that you don't it does it does you no good to be sat there acting all superior to them just because you're you're older or you have more experience so I think yeah. I think well it was very important that I kind of swallow in a sense swallowed my pride and. Gant. Do you have do you have a not a moment particularly, but do, do could you look back and say it took me five weeks to do that, or I did it in the first day, or yeah, I was so nervous that I just stayed quiet for a little bit, and then you know this first scene was what unlocked it for me. Is there kind of like a staged process through which that happened, or did you think it was just? Mm, it's an interesting. I think it's kind of when you're because when you. When you come when you come to acting late, you think acting is you're given a script, you're given a part, you do it, it's great, everyone applauds. But then you kind of and in my case, you enter this room and you scenario and you're put in groups and you're told, right, now there's five of you, you're gonna 
create a toaster with your bodies and it's like that's the kind of thing you can't exactly the kind of thing you can't prepare for the kind of thing you can't be like oh yes i i i i I knew this was going to happen i knew i was going to have to pretend to be a toaster today so that was just that was just something that happened in the first session where i kind of had to think oh okay and you know immediately you've got people you're immediately a little bit you're a little bit i was a little bit embarrassed a bit like oh what i've got to pretend to be a toaster and then you've got people who are fully committed now to the art of pretending to be a toaster looking at them and being like oh okay that they 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 can do that. They obviously have a bit more um, confidence or a bit more knowledge of this kind of experience and process than I do. It might be worth me kind of following their lead, copying them until I can um, until I too can be proficient in the art of being a toaster. So, and was was it a? And again, these are questions you may not have answers to. But was it a different Jordan going into that room than the Jordan that does politics at uni, or was it the same Jordan just? with a different hat on and i guess i'm asking kind of like were were you did you have to to break through to become a toaster or whatever did you have to leave a part of you behind and say look look you embarrassed version of me or you shy version of me yeah this is a new version of me that we're looking to uncover stay at the door i'll pick you up on the way out or was it like you took all of you in and just kind of like i don't know broke that bit down slowly yeah. over time yeah, I think I think yeah. To, to use your words, I think I think all of me came in the room, and it was about forcing every every part of me to now to now, to now do this thing. I don't, I, I don't. Which I think I is the best. It sounds like the best option because yeah. if you lose leave a bit behind, that means you're always leaving that bit behind. Yeah, and it, every and it time, mean, and it means then there there are things that are now at the door that you can't access if you need to. You know, you can't you can't really play an embarrassed character if you're constantly leaving your embarrassment behind you while you go into other things because now you yeah. don't know how to access. The, the emotion of embarrassment you don't know how to access that fear emotion uh which you which you can learn to if as long as you keep that beside you and take note yeah. of what happens when you feel when you feel that way okay yeah that's nice because I, I mean that and we again we have somehow fed this back into what someone listening might be able to sort of take away is that oh actually if you are going to <laughs> yes number one um yeah but the idea that and, and i'm really keen for this that this exact thing to come out of these conversations is that Someone who's going into that room might be saying to themselves, right, I know, Johnny, this you're embarrassed. But what we'll do is we're going to just leave Johnny the embarrassed kid here and yeah. we're going to go into that room and we'll be super positive and it'll be all right. But actually, as you said, taking Johnny the embarrassed kid in with you, even if you've got to hold his hand for a bit, yeah. is really important because you at some point will have to channel some element of Johnny the embarrassed kid's emotion yeah. into what you're performing. And it may, it may be a year down the line, but... Mm it's important to have him there with you in the room, I guess. Yeah. How was your kind of that arc of this mini kind of Jordan becomes an actor? Yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting one. I was, um, I did, I did find myself left to my own devices quite a bit, which was, which was interesting because, you know, when you're, when you're in, you're in the scene and say you've got three lines in the scene compared to, the main part that you know the whole scene is about their emotional journey or whatever you do find yourself in a sense not being ignored but it's not it's not as crucial what you do as a, as opposed to what this this person going through a whole emotional journey on stage does so i often found myself kind of on the corner of the stage thinking well brilliant you know so and so is having a hissy fit and they're crying for over there that's great what 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 can what can i do now uh, it was more it was more of a case of thinking you know how can i how can i be part of be part of this while also mm-hmm. 
in while also not being part of it because I'm not really being given the direction or the help or whatever. But it was it was in a sense um, really really interesting to to be to be left to decide how I was going to do this and what I was going to do because it meant that I was able to um, to put to put quite a bit of my own of my own thought into it as opposed to having someone else's thoughts imposed on me which is which mm-hmm. is still which is still something I do to this day when I'm when I'm cast I spend hours and hours just by myself thinking what do, what do I do with this what what are the what are the you know reading like reading the script months in advance or you know if there's a cool text reading that reading all the literature around it and thinking how do I approach this first before someone else has a chance to open my head and pull words in and kind of at the very beginning in that in that show that's kind of, that's kind of how that started this kind of, um you know, being able to approach it my own way and then later going up, having someone tell me whether my way worked or not or whether they had a way that would perhaps help me be a bit different or a bit more interesting or bring out the, um, help to bring out the rest of the play, you know, so I didn't stand in relief, so I worked in with everything else. Um, in kind of more detail, how does that unfold for you? Yeah, it, I mean, it obviously it always depends on the on the presence the character has in the play I, like if you if you get cast as flea on Macbeth, there's not a lot of research you can do because he exists to be yelled at and then disappear for the rest of the play but with a with a uh, with a with a lot of characters I, I do begin by by approaching the text you know if I don't if I don't have the text I'll wikipedia it just to get a sense of what on earth it is I'm looking at um I always find I always find uh, music really helpful actually when I'm thinking about a character uh, one of the things one of the things I do for every role is I make um I make a playlist that is music that makes me think of this character, but also the music I think this character would listen to if they had access to music today. So some characters, you know, I and and, and it's something that comes weirdly. It's something that comes quite natural. I don't have to think too hard about it. I get given a character and I think, oh, of course, this character likes jazz. That just makes perfect sense. And then the playlist for them is just purely jazz, and I can listen to it as I'm reading the book, listen to it as I'm thinking about the character or learning the lines, and it gets me gets me in it gets me in that headspace. Um, from a performance point of view, I always. I, I always learn lines standing in front of the mirror. I like to, okay. um, because I know that I know that when you're when you're when you're cast as a character, you're cast because the director sees you as a person fitting into that character role. And I've always been because I'm, I'm you know I'm quite short and I weigh next to nothing. I've always been very conscious of that fact of my, of my body. So I find it very helpful then to stand in front of the mirror and look at the things and. Um, think like why 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 does the director think this character looks looks like me what what is it that this character has in the text what are the things they do that make the director think that this body then is the part that, that should be playing it and I think and I okay. think and I think about that a lot the think about the way you know the way this character would then stand um thinking in a, in a physical sense about embodying the character becoming that person so you <clears throat> it's interesting that you say you start with a physicality and I and not to I'm not Dismissing the music yeah. as a as a a conduit through which you can draw the character out of yourself. Yeah. Because actually I quite I'm I again from doing this, I'm desperately trying to pick up ideas of how amateur actors can enter a room and take not take on, I mean take on, but transform themselves into their character, having been at work all day or having been at uni all day or whatever and not thought about the role at all. I like that idea that you, you're already placing some music in there because it, it allows, I mean, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth, but is a conduit back into the character, not just a framing mechanism, but you can then turn that music on and go, okay, now Jordan, we're in the headspace of whoever. How come the physicality comes next? How come that is the, the next step for you? 
because mm, other people other people kind of like just plow the lines plow the lines yeah. and then and then they'll get that and then they'll wait for the blocking to come and they'll match the lines to the blocking and then they'll start thinking about how the character moves and interacts i think i think it is to do with the fact that, that, that for me it being the being you know acting being the character begins the second you walk into into the rehearsal space mm-hmm. i find that um because i find that you know, I, I, I listen. I listen to music on the music on the way to the rehearsal space, and I walk in the door. And for me, it begins. The whole thing begins the second I come in. Um, and I think it is to do with the kind of um, code switching that comes from different environments. You know, everyone's a different person when they're with their family, different person when they're with their friends, different person at work. And I kind of see that kind of similar. There is there is a there is a a, re- a rehearsal room Jordan that is separate from the character but rehearsal room jordan needs to be able to immediately become the character with with no notice so it's kind of sloughing off that sloughing off who i am all the things you well, you can see now as i'm talking i do everything with my hands sloughing all that off walking into the rehearsal room being prepared now to to it to inhabit and to be inhabit another space which is why i think the physicality comes next is because it's it's kind of it's uh, it's a it's, I'm, con- I'm conscious of the fact that whenever i walk into a space whenever i walk into a room there's a different person that is being presented uh, depending on who is on who is in the room uh, which is why i find i find thinking about the physicality so helpful so i can think more about more about that how i'm going to enter the room how I'm, how I'm not not just how I'm going to be when I'm on stage, but also how I'm going to be in the rehearsal. What kind of character I'm going to present for the other people that are mm-hmm. there rehearsing? You know, whether whether I like them, whether I'm going to be friendly to them, whether I hate them, or whether I'm just there just to like do the part and leave. And so it's so it 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 is it is all a part all a part all a part of that. I think. Okay, and what what would you if there were any? Are you what were the key breakdowns of that physicality? Are, is yeah. it how you hold yourself in terms of your posture? Is it hand movements like you mentioned? Is it how you walk? Is it how you kind of, are you looking to find something very distinct or is it trying to find something that's quite natural, but is different from you, the Jordan, the actor, or what's the kind of mechanism mechanisms or starting points through which you, if you know them? Yeah. Well, um, what I do with my hands and my arms is a big one because I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, I'm a very gestury person. I gesture all the time. And, you know, some, some characters, they, they will be gesturous, but then some will not. And that's the first thing I need to think about is whether I'm moving my hands or not, because there's nothing, you know, there's nothing more off-putting than when you're watching a character go through a big emotional moment and the hands are in front of the face and he's fidgeting with his shirt sleeves or whatever so that is that is often the first thing I think about is how and it and it starts it starts from a pure standing position when this when this person stands uh are that are their hands down or are they up because if if, if they if this person is keeping if it feels like to me like this person will be keeping their hands up kind of above their chest then it makes sense to me that they would be more ebullient they would gesture more they'd be more physical with their hands whereas if I think this character keeps their hands down low I know for a fact that they're not going to be using them as much um then leaning into how 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 do they stand now I know where the hands go how do they stand are they are they are they is the chest back are they presenting themselves are they are they more drawn in are they um are they hunched do they do they stand to their full height um and then and then facial facial feet facial feet facial expressions is, is another big one um when this when this person when this person talks you know i'll say that i'll say certain lines in the mirror uh when this person talks is that is that whole face doing the work or is there one particular feature of their face that does the majority of the heavy lifting for them be it, be it eyes or whether they or whether they enunciate very clearly um 
and then and then and then walking is the very final thing because it is very difficult to see how you walk when you're standing in front of a mirror so i'll walk you know walk away from the mirror then walk back so i can see myself and that's where you can kind of see you know what you're doing with your hands the way you're holding yourself the way the way just your face looks whether you can then create a walk based on how you've done everything else and that's the very the very final thing to happen and also okay. because walking is one of the things you tend to do least on stage because you get told off a lot if you're moving around back and forth so you know you need to know how you're getting on you need to know how you're getting off um and that that can often be walking can often be something you you discover later especially once you once you get in costume as well you might you might decide your character moves really quickly and then you're put in a costume that is very um, very constricting and you can't do that uh, so walking walking comes last <laughs> okay and how much of this is married up with the text yeah. Um, and the kind of discoveries that you're making while you're reading the text, because I can imagine, I mean, I'm presuming it is, because I can imagine you're doing the work and then you're, you know, you're thinking about how much, I don't know, submission this character has to another character or how authoritative this character is over, you know, this group of people or, you know, yeah. so I guess those are those things feeding in from the get go or is it a character creation which then can be mapped onto? And changes his or her form based on the text. Yeah, I think I think the text the text is very the text is incredibly important. It probably comes, you know, I don't I don't begin to think about the music or the physicality until I've encountered the text in some form. Um, and it is it is um, the te- the text the text influences how how I decide to move as this character because the te- the text for for most for most characters at least nearly everything you need to know is is there and then it's up to you to choose how you map that onto onto your performance but i'll often i'll often uh, i'll often learn lines by by looking into a mirror and saying them so i can see what i'm doing and it's that it's that whole part of part of the learning and and also again like you said the submission to characters looking looking at my face in the mirror thinking like when i'm when i'm saying this line who am i saying it to am i what kind of expression am i giving them to go along with this line what is what is you know, if I'm if I'm a character who's subservient, say to, to this character, how how does that then change the way I look at them when I'm saying this particular line about I don't know um, your daughter your daughter's run off, she's not coming back. If I'm subservient now, how am I how am I saying that line? How am I looking at the character when I'm doing it? Whereas if I'm a character who's gleefully mocking them, you know, I get to look at them a different I get to look at them a different way, and you don't really know your relationship to the other characters, how you're going to say these particular lines until you encounter the text and see it in its whole as a, as a unified thing and get to watch your character go through their arc throughout the play. Um, and the, and the text is crucial then to understanding because also you have characters who might change the way they carry themselves based on where they are at their particular arc in the play, you know, at at its very basic level, you might have a character who finds themselves and so starts to play hunched, not looking anyone in the eyes, but by the final scene where they've, become king of Avalon or whatever they're suddenly standing tall they've got the crown on everyone is now subservient to them and they're and they're prouder and so yeah I don't think you can really understand the physicality of, I, I at least can't understand the physicality of the character until I've understood the text understood okay. where in which part of the text these bits of physicality are coming in and what also what you the, the character or you as the actor through the character are trying to communicate uh, with this physicality okay so if I so let's take a <clears throat> well sort of sidestep then yeah. how how because i do want to kind of like i want to marry up the two things you just said I, I want to kind of understand how then by marrying them up when you enter the rehearsal room yeah how you then play off against someone else who's doing various yeah. things but before we get to that 
just just to do this sidestep, what how do you analyze the text? And obviously there's reading it yeah. and there's a certain level of understanding. And as you said, you, you might Wikipedia various bits and you might kind of like begin to delve a little bit deeper into to if there's any literature that's written in and around the text that you're doing. How, in terms of the, the script itself, are you kind of manipulating that or or annotating it so you get a deeper understanding of, of yeah. the role that you're playing? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge note taker. So I take notes on everything I read. Um, I come from my, my, my phone. The last thing I studied was um, creative writing um, at, at MA. So I come, I approach text from a, from a writing background. I look at, I look at what's written. I look at the way they're connected. And I often find um, a line or two lines in the text. It doesn't have to be something my character says. It can be about them or just something that's said in the scene about them that in a sense sums up. Uh, sums up sums up this character um so once 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 i've gone through the text made my notes heavily the next thing that comes is pouring over it to find this one short line or paragraph or something that then explains and sorry just to interrupt those notes yeah. before you go into that kind of that, yeah. that one line those notes are what just a history of the the play or a context in which the play is set? are they are they specific notes to your character or are they a mixture of everything kind of what are these what are the notes that you're kind of referencing to? They're, they're, they're quite they're quite bare bones actually. I tend to just find bits in the in the in the in the text that I think are incredibly well written, and then I just tend to 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 write down next to them why I think they're well written, what it what it is what it is they make me feel, whether I'm feeling something that perhaps the author intended me to feel or not to feel, um, and then. Are they specific to your character or just the whole? Uh, I, 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 t- I take the whole play, um, the, okay. the whole thing, because again, I, like we said earlier, you as, as an actor, you are just a part of the whole piece. You have to understand the whole piece or you look completely incongruous and you can destroy a perfectly beautifully crafted piece of theatre if you're, if, you're, if you're doing the wrong thing or playing it to the wrong audience or playing it at the wrong level. So I do, mm-hmm. I do, I do look at the whole thing. And then also it enables me... Um, you know, if I'm if I'm looking at a scene, say where my character is in, and I'm purely looking at the lines my character might have, once I get into a rehearsal room and I'm operating against someone else, I, there is there is then nothing I can do to help them if they're struggling to pitch their performance to me because I don't understand their performance or their character because I haven't looked at it. Uh, so I find it helpful to look at other characters and stuff like that. So if I do end up playing against these actors doing scenes with yeah. them, it's it's I can modulate myself towards them or help them bring out something I thought they might think about or even they could they could they could help me if they've done a similar thing yeah no no no, i like that what for you kind of what what do you like to kind of get down first so you can then start building your character out of it in in an an ideal world you would i I prefer to launch straight in do do a couple of scenes you know maybe do like the character's first scenes or whatever or blitz through an important one and just try it do you know do you do do your thing the other actors do their thing and you've got the director as the all-seeing eye of god then to tell you if a thing does and doesn't work um and i think all the all this all the talk about the about the context about how the characters relationships are i don't know if it's worth doing that straight away i think i don't mm-hmm. think it's worth approaching that until you've at least acted it alongside someone else because you might you might change your mind once you start acting alongside someone else you might um you might suddenly find out the actor playing your father is only 15 years older than you, which now adds a whole new dynamic to the way you act alongside them because there's there might be a sense of less authority. And then that's something that's worth exploring after 
you've, mm-hmm. you've seen them act, how you've seen them do that. And in that sense, it is, um, I see, I see, I see the, 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 the rehearsal process should begin incredibly collaboratively. I think, I think everyone should be doing, doing, doing a thing, helping other people do their thing, asking how they can do their thing to match someone else's. And then I think the director should impose, impose the will of God on them and ex- then explain the context, explain why, what, what, what the background of the play is. And then that also then as an actor gives you, or it gives you a t- time to, to think now, oh, I've planned to do it this way. How can I now adapt what I've done to meet the challenge of this new setting, of this new idea, this new context that's been put in aside, um, that's been informed upon me? How can I then adapt my performance to to change for the fact that you know the, the actor playing my father is angrier than I thought he would be? He's you know he looks at me on stage and I can see deep disappointment in his eyes. How do I now how do I now adjust to that if that's if that's if that's the role we're going with? So yeah, I prefer a kind of no nonsense just jump jump straight in approach you know when when you when you walk into a rehearsal room and you're told oh we're going to play games for half an hour i think what is what is the point you know i could i could walk into any room in the world and start a team building exercise i can't walk into any room in the world with my script and you know act alongside someone and have like an amazing experience doing that so at what at what point do you feel blocking should be introduced and if it's not until slightly later how are you as an actor dealing with not having any blocking yeah beginning this rehearsal process you should have your blocking as a framework and i and you know if the director has an idea of the staging explaining to you you can't go back uh, upstage stage left because there's a rostra there there's nothing can happen there because it's up above or you know we're going to have a foot of space downstage where we're going to have fake waves so you can't act down there being given those small limitations or at least being told i want most of this scene happening on stage right because we're setting up stage left for the gladiatorial coliseum i don't know what play this is i'm making it up on my head gladiatorial coliseum <laughs> <Sounds great. laughs> maybe i should write something i don't know but yeah, yeah to be given to be given this to be given this small framework and then be given the kind of little bit of freedom to work within the framework again depending depending on the play i think i think is incredibly useful and i think blocking again is a is a, is a way to impose a framework that some actors myself included will find incredibly useful um mm-hmm. give them something to modulate their performance to all is that is there other stuff other than that that you kind of feel is is happening on pre-rehearsal or in rehearsal um or is it just you you're open to someone doing something on the stage the rehearsal stage and then you'll play off that and then you'll feed your bit in and hope they'll play off that and you just yeah. have a natural kind of well that that kind of natural repartee is the thing every every actor dreams of being being able to being able to chat about your character with with someone else who is incredibly receptive and also kind of just you know act, acting is nothing but repetition you, you being prepared to do the same thing over the same scene over and over again uh with them and taking the ideas that you've chatted with together and talking and saying like so how about on this line i'll if for this time we do it around i'll try this and you can try that and then we can try it again and we'll do different things and it is being given the 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 space and the time in the rehearsal room to do it over and over again until you hammer it in and you and you get it perfect until you've got it right perfect uh, because i think you, i think every 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 time you get actors and prepare them for a scene there is a way to make that scene the best it can be but the only way you can get it there is if you just keep trying and trying and trying and yeah. trying again um but I think I think no matter what you do, whether you're whether you're working, whether you're doing a hobby, whether you're just out in the shops, you should always be trying to pick up what you can learn and trying to try trying to get better. I kind of think if you're not 
if you're not trying to become better at what you do, there's not really much point in doing it. I just, I think, yeah, I think, and this, and especially when you, when you begin, it might also be because I started acting so late. I was looking at people who I thought were very, very good and thinking, oh, I could be, I could be doing what they do. I just need to work a little bit harder and kind of learn from them and look at what they're doing. And then maybe one day I'll be good, be as good as they are. And then that person who I think is really good is looking at someone else in the cast and thinking, oh, they're really good. I like to be doing what they're doing. Maybe I could learn from them. So it, it is a whole, um, you can create a lovely kind of, in a, in, a, in a perfect cast, you create a nice, lovely feedback loop where everyone is seeking to learn from each other. Yeah. So. Okay. And given that, I mean, I'm going to feed the improv stuff that, that we, I just jumped over back in yeah. because it feels like if you have got to a point where you're, you're confident in your research, you're confident in your kind of the beginnings of your characterization. And at this stage, maybe even the, the character as a whole, Yeah, you've worked through the dynamics with, with your other cast members and you've had the director's input as yeah. to kind of how you're doing and where you're getting to. Are we, how does improv feed into, into that process? Yeah. So I think improvisation in a sense comes from, comes from a place of, of, of I want to say comfort. I'm going to say comfort. It comes from a place of comfort where you, you know that everything works and you now have the ability to try something new in order to to elevate it a little bit i think every i mean at its at, at its core when you start rehearsing a play for the first time it's it's improvisation you've got the script you've got the lines you've got the character but the stuff that happens in that first time you try seeing that's pretty much all improv unless the director has forced it upon you forced what you're doing on you from above so every every scene in my opinion is created through some level of improvisation when you've got it as perfect as it, as it can be and you're comfortable then I think is the time where if you were to add something new it's coming from a place of coming from a place of safety you know yeah you've got you've got a scene and actors you can fall back on if this if this doesn't work you know and okay. so you, you you're free to experiment and you're free to try and some people are better at some actors are better at responding to improv than others are and you might know if you're if you're someone who's who tends to improvise quite a lot on stage you might know if I improvise alongside this actor, that's going to make the scene suffer. Whereas if I improvise alongside this actor, they might give me something new now, something that we can work with together. In that sense, improvisation can be more of a um, more of a collaborative process than just one actor that's thinking, "Oh, if I do this now, that's really silly. I'll get loads of laughs." You can instead be thinking, "What can I, what can I give this this other actor to work with?" Because I know I know that I know that I work with well alongside them. I know that they can improvise back yeah. uh, with me. Yeah, no, that's a it's a I think that, I mean, all of the stuff you just mentioned about um, the utilization of improv is, is great. And I think someone listening will get a lot from kind of yeah. just, just employing those, employing it in that way. Just one other element I've got down that I, I would like to ask you about is yeah. um, how you approach the, the development of your character in terms of his or her objective yeah. And then whether you approach it scene by scene or you're looking at the overall um, like arc that the story takes your character on. And also, will you look at the end of the play and see where your character is and try and feed that back so there's a, there's a clear line of, 
progression that the audience can then go, oh yeah, he ended up killing himself because of all these other things that have happened to him? Or are you trying to make it as as natural to you as it is to the audience watching it as it unfolds? Yeah, I I definitely do do think of the of the of the text and everything the character does as one as one big whole. I think of it as as a progression. It's not scene by scene, it's a constant through line that, that ends with the character wherever they end, whether it's king or dead or missing or whatever. So I definitely do take every scene and think about how that then folds into the into into where the character ends up. Um, but I do think you can allow yourself to be to be surprised. To, by 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 the character as you do it, I think you can, you can you can because every every everybody's complex. When you approach a character, you are approaching something, and you're trying to make you're approaching a person on paper, and you're trying to make them three dimensional. You're trying to bring bring them to life. Um, so I think you can allow yourself to be surprised by your character in the way you would be surprised uh, by a real person. You can think you can think, oh, the reason he did this in scene two is because we know in scene seven he's going to do this. Uh, so that it's a, it's a very it's a very fine balance. Uh, balance to strike um i think the whole thing should definitely be understood as a whole because because it's you know on stage you're present this this character lives only on stage their whole life is being presented to you on stage in a sense the backstory you create then feeds into what you're doing on stage they have their arc their story their progression and then it ends on stage for everyone to see um so the whole the whole the whole thing should be should be taken as a whole but there are there are the there are these little moments you can look at um, and they might, and you might already know what they are when you start exploring the text, or you might come to them in the rehearsal room. And those are the moments where you might be surprised um, by by what you end up doing when you're playing that character, what the character kind of, what you think the character wants to be doing, depend um, versus what you end up doing, and you end up having an entirely different goal that you never expected. Uh, because you've, okay. been, you've allowed yourself to be open to, to something new. A question I meant to ask it right there. Yeah. We've kind of gone full circle because you, the first thing you began talking about was this acting theory or, or an understanding of what an actor is versus yeah. an experience of what an actor is. And now that we've talked all the way through kind of your experience of, of creating a character and being involved in a show, how, how is it that you kind of balance those two out versus, mm. you know, you've got this, person who's super experienced and i guess um the more i'm asking you is about kind of like how do you perceive raw talent versus learned talent yeah and it's a big question i keep asking myself and i keep asking people i mean not particularly directly on this podcast but like what is if you haven't got the raw talent are you screwed or is it something that you can really interesting question i think i think I think you can, I don't think, I don't think you're screwed if you haven't got the raw talent. I think you can learn something, but I think there is something that, that makes you stand out if you have a raw, a raw talent. But I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea as, as a whole, I prefer to think, I prefer to think of it in terms, in terms of skill as opposed to talent, because talent, again, you think of talent and you think someone who's just born special with the laurel on their heads, born quoting Macbeth. I don't think that's, that's, that's nonsense. I think you can, you can be skilled and you can be skilled at several different things that you can then take 
you could be skilled prior that you can then take into a rehearsal room and be very good at these things. And they just happen to translate in acting. You can be a skilled, um, a skilled storyteller because you're used to presenting at work. And that translates really well into acting because acting is telling stories. Or you can be a really skilled runner and that translates well into acting because actors, you find yourself being a really physical actor who can do loads of things with their body. Um, and it's then about how you, how you take these, these, these prior skills you have and then transform them and learn new skills and apply them to the to the art of acting because I don't think unless you've been playing pretend the whole the whole of your life I don't think anyone is just a pure unfiltered actor there are there are there are things that people bring that then make them make them the actor they are as opposed to as opposed to just a full set of character traits you can look and go ah that person has everything that makes them an actor I, I don't I don't think that exists at all no, I think I, I agree with you. What about directors? Yeah. Um, have, you, have you got a, and, and this is maybe quite subjective because some people like certain, as you, you've already mentioned some elements of, of the direction that you like over others, you know, you, you want a little bit of rigidity. You want some parameters through which you can operate. Um, but I guess more in terms of how you perceive a, a director making a show yeah. come together. Yeah. I, um, a, a good director creates a a space for for everyone um it sounds it sounds it sound that sounds really airy fairy but like in the sense that um a, a good you know I, i've spoken a couple of times about the director being like the eyes of god the director isn't god the director is just a person and you get some the director is just a person with massive delusions of grandeur no um, no but like you get you get you get some directors that kind of do kind of rule with the iron rod and you're some and like some actors are are, are afraid of them you know as you think you're thinking like the world of amateur theatre say you've just moved to a new city you thought you'd maybe try some amateur theatre make some friends and you're having a bit of a rough time and maybe like your partner's ill and you can't come to rehearsal and your director is this really frightening rigid awful trunchbull like figure that's going to completely impact the way you experience the show the performance you're able to bring and the way you approach rehearsals because they don't become something that you're looking forward to going to to exploring it's something that you're forced to go to because you're afraid of what the director is going to is going to say otherwise but then yeah. on the flip side a director has to have some level of, of, of authority some level of um some way of cracking the whip even if it's not you know yelling at people in rehearsal some way of explaining that that they are that they are the boss here um so it's, yeah, it's a constant struggle it's a constant yeah. struggle for me especially because their amateurs tend to have given their time their energy and their yeah. own expense to turn up and be there and I've, yeah, exactly. i'm always struggling with it like yeah um okay and the final one yeah what what um what makes a good show <laughs> and i i asked this question in in the i appreciate that amateur theater hasn't got the budget may not have yeah. the pool of you know what a professional <laughs> Uh, caster may have yeah. they haven't got the team that a professional show might have but um, that's not to make excuses for what is yeah. and isn't a good show do you have in your head kind of some of the pointers that either a director or someone in the creative um, process of making a show might be interested to hear as to what kind of it's mm, a really that's a really interesting question i think <laughs> when i when i when i when i go to see a show it's there's nothing that is the most important the cast are incredibly important how they 
react alongside each other, how they react in the space. And I want to see something that's that's cohesive, which is perhaps where the the kind of technical backstage stuff comes in. I want to see I want to see a really nice, beautifully oiled machine in front of me. I don't want to feel like I want. I don't want to say don't want to feel like I don't want to say the word stand out, but I don't want to feel like someone stands out because they're bad and they're not doing the same as everyone else, or they stand out because they're good because they're not doing the same as everyone else. I want to see the whole the whole thing working smoothly. If there's things that stand out, those are the parts of the machine that were meant to stand out because maybe they're the lead, maybe there's a beautiful dance scene somewhere through or a monologue that the whole play is built around. That stands out. But yeah, what I really want to see is something that that works together, something that's completely cohesive. Mm-hmm.